Welcome to Lesson 12 of our Introduction to Salvation History. Let's begin with the prayer our Lord taught us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Well, this lesson 12 is entitled The Plagues of Egypt. This is a really fun lesson. Really, all the lessons on Exodus are so much fun. Because on the one hand, everybody has some degree of familiarity with these awesome stories. The plagues and the Red Sea and all this fun stuff. But when you begin to understand the theological foundation and the spiritual foundation and all the amazing typology behind it, it just it's, the riches are unfathomable. You just apply so much to our faith. And so this is going to be a fun lecture. I, I really love teaching this particular lecture. Uh, we're going to pick up right where we left off uh, with lesson 11 and the call of Moses. And um, God brings him to the people, to Pharaoh, to deliver his people uh, for a three-day journey. So that's where we left off. I want to begin reading chapter 5, verses 1 through 3, and then we'll, we'll draw all the connections as we go along. So chapter 5, verse 1 says, Afterwards, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, Thus says Yahweh, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord? that I should heed his voice and let Israel go. I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Let us go, we beg, a three days journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God. All right, these first three verses here is the perfect segue after God gives Moses all of these amazing signs and wonders uh, to prove to the people and to Pharaoh what God has commanded, which is, if you remember, the three-day journey in the wilderness. A lot of people don't realize this little detail because of Charlton Heston in our brains. We think, oh, just let my people go, total emancipation, see you later, alligator, we're out of here. But that's actually not the reality. It's a three-day retreat to go and worship God, to make sacrifices, to purify them, for the Israel, from their sins, and then ultimately to return back. We first saw this command back in chapter 3, verse 18, when God said, I command you to go to, um, to Pharaoh and say, let us go a three days journey in the wilderness. And here, Moses, obedient, does that. He, he says to Pharaoh, let us go just a three-day journey, not total emancipation. All right, that's, that's really important here. So it's not like Moses is saying, all right, we're never going to see you again. Just three days. That's all we're asking here. And Pharaoh scornfully replies, Who is the Lord? Who is Yahweh that I should heed his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord. I will not let Israel go. This is interesting on a number of fronts. It, it certainly echoes what his predecessor said so many years before about Joseph. If you remember back in chapter 1, verse 8, there arose a new king, a new Pharaoh over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And I had explained like how it was impossible to draw the conclusion that this new Pharaoh didn't know about Joseph, like he didn't pay attention in his history class. That's not what's going on. It's that he didn't have this covenantal relationship or this treaty or this agreement uh, with Joseph. So this new Pharaoh is kind of saying the same thing about Joseph's God. They don't know Joseph's people. They don't know the Israelites. They have no covenantal relationship with them. And Consequently, they don't have a covenantal relationship with Yahweh either. I do not know Yahweh. 
And one other interesting point about this is that you could just hear the hubris and the rebellion. You can hear Pharaoh um, completely flatly refusing to heed Moses' request to go to a three-day journey with a, and a lot of hubris, really. Like, who is this Yahweh? You know, I'm not going to let him go. And, and part of the reason for this is because if Pharaoh, who thinks himself divine, is has enslaved and oppressed and overpowered the Israelites, then Pharaoh is going to think that he is superior to the Israelites' God. So I shouldn't I, I shouldn't fear this Yahweh of yours because you're enslaved. And if you're enslaved, this God of yours must not be all that powerful because otherwise you wouldn't be enslaved, right? So you can hear kind of this this underlying tone of complete mockery, right? Scornfully saying, look, you're, you're God, basically your God is pathetic. I have nothing to fear. If I've enslaved your people, I must be better than not only you as a people, but I must be better than your God as well. So I, ho I hope that makes sense. I hope you're tracking with me here. Uh, Pharaoh has completely rejected this command. All right, now, this gets us to the purpose of the plagues. There's a lot of reasons why these plagues are leveled against Egypt, and I'm ultimately going to boil them down to two. I want to introduce the point um, here in, in the notes, the purpose and meaning of the ten plagues. So Pharaoh says, I do not know the Lord. Well, what you're going to find repeated over and over and over again in these plagues is so that you would know that there was one true God, right? So that way you would know Yahweh. Yadah is that Hebrew word, that covenantal relationship. By the end of the plagues, the purpose will be you will know. You don't know him now, but at the end of this, you will know him, okay? So all nations, not just Egypt, not just Israel, but the point is that all nations would come to Yadah, come to know that there is one true God in heaven and that Israel is his people. That's one of the big important things about this whole sequence and this whole narrative, that all would know. So the second related point to this is that it's also what I like to affectionately call this, the divine smackdown. <laughs> it's the divine smackdown. It's God the one true God, like in this corner, the one true God of all of creation, being itself, Yahweh. And in this corner, all the false gods of Egypt. God is going to be the superior victor, oh, I mean, to the extreme, defeating Egypt in every way, shape, or form. God is going to, again, smack down, defeat all the false pagan gods of Egypt. So those are really the two main points, that all would yadah, that there is one true God in heaven, and then secondarily, to completely defeat all of the Egyptian gods. And that actually brings us to the number 10. Uh, why are there 10 plagues? And why are there not 7? Why are there not 11, 12, whatever it might be? Well, 10 is the number of completion, totality, perfection, not 7. People get this wrong all the time. Unfortunately, we hear it in homilies or you know, catechists or whatever. Um, 7 is the number of the covenant. So, and that's the primary meaning of seven, as we discussed with the creation of the world in seven days. God is creating the world to be in covenantal relationship with him, and Adam is the mediator, the high priest uh, between God and, and the rest of creation. So, seven is covenant. You swear an oath by sevening yourself. If you're going to say it's completion or totality or perfection, it's always in reference to the covenant. So 10 is the number of completion and all the variants of 10, you know, a hundred or a, a thousand is like 10 cubed. So a thousand is like the epitome of perfection. Um, so as you read the scriptures, keep that in mind. 10 is the number of completion. You've got 10 plagues here, which basically mean then, therefore, this is going to be a total, complete, perfect defeat of Egypt and her false gods. 
in order that all would yadah, in order that all would know there is one true God in Israel. So I hope that makes sense. One other quick uh, reference to kind of prove my point about 10 are the commandments. And we'll talk about the commandments in a later lecture uh, briefly. But there are 10 commandments, not 7, not 12, whatever. There's 10 because it's the complete, total, perfect summation of the natural law that governs all of our actions. The natural law that we're all born with. 10 perfectly summarize the Ten Commandments perfectly summarizes the law. So there's another little connection for you to help remember the difference between seven and ten. So ten plagues, total defeat of evil. Alright now Hi, this is Dr. Nick Levish. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like access to my complete courses, please visit scriptureandtradition.com. God bless.